Good morning, Bear Valley Church. How's it going? Uh, good to see you. I'm Pastor Brandon. I'm the executive pastor. If you're new here, uh, it's good to see you all. For those of you that are regulars, good to see you too. Uh, appreciate your all's prayers for our high schoolers as they're down in Mexico. Um, they're doing great. Got there safe. Um, had some tacos last night. They'll go to church today and kind of see a few sites, and then they'll hit the work site on Monday. And we appreciate you praying for that, that they'd stay healthy. And they're trying to accomplish quite a bit more than they've accomplished in the past. They have an ambitious goal this year. And so uh, just pray for them for that, that it would go well and that there'd be health uh, for them. And really that, like Kevin said, that they would learn to serve, that they would learn what it means to um, be unselfish and to serve God's people, even strangers, even people they don't know. So I appreciate you all. Uh, if you hadn't noticed, it's Palm Sunday, uh, the triumphal entry. This is, if we go back to when Jesus was about to go on the cross, uh, this is the day that he would have entered Jerusalem to much fanfare. And as you saw, palm branches and all this, uh, they went out to meet him and they laid their cloaks down before him. And we don't always uh, think too much about it, but uh, it was significant that they met him and that they thought that they were going to be redeemed, that they thought, hey, we're, we're done here. We're done with Rome. We're done with everybody who's oppressing us. We're done with poverty. We're done with all these things. And we are going to have a king over us who can raise the dead. And really, they had just seen Lazarus. They had just seen Jesus call Lazarus out of the tomb. I mean, that would draw a crowd, right? I mean, it's spring break this week, but I think we could even get people here if that was what was going on. But I want to tell you that really, it, they thought it was a victory parade. But if you think about it, it should have been a funeral procession, right? They had, they had missed that Jesus had to come and be their sacrifice before he would come and be their king, right? They had missed that the suffering was before the glory. They had missed that the unseen had to be made right before the seen could be made right. And they had missed that the redemption of their souls had to happen before the redemption of the world, Okay, and so really, I had, the, I had them read these passages about Palm Sunday. We're not going to be in them, but I wanted to remind us that there was excitement. They, they thought, this is it. They thought, man, but Jesus knew. Jesus knew that he was coming to his death, right? That they would reject him, that he was entering Jerusalem, and he would have to debate, and he would have to avoid the, avoid the religious leaders at night, and that he'd be betrayed, and that he would false trials, and that he would go to the cross, and so don't misunderstand me. Jesus knew what his mission was, and they should have received him as their king, but they missed their real need, right? They thought, we're fine. We're fine. We just need someone to take care of these outside problems, right? We got some, we're missing some food. We got some people we don't like in government. We, we, just, we just need you to take care of some problems for us, Jesus, um, and so the, I'm calling that the first Palm Sunday, and really it happened in the dust of the world, right? If you can imagine them, like they're all wearing their dirty, filthy clothes, and they're laying their palm branches down, and there's some donkey, you guys know what donkeys do along a parade route, right? Like it's not, it's not as glorious a scene as you would really hope it would be. <clears throat> and the parade ended at the corrupt temple that Jesus the next day would come and flip the tables over. And on the parade route, Jesus weeps. That seems weird for a victory parade, doesn't it? Pause to weep over the city from the Mount of Olives. That's the same day that the people shouted Hosanna. And really, the victory parade, all it did for the religious leaders was cause them to finalize their plans to kill Jesus. 
right, to move them up, to say, hey, we, and the whole world's going after this guy. We, we got to move up our timeline. We got to find some way to take him out, right? And so that was the first Palm Sunday. The second Palm Sunday is what I want to look at this morning. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7, it's going to be turbulent when you try to fly into Revelation, uh, but this is the true victory parade. So I'll, if you all would stand with me as we read God's word, not because uh, we're anything special, but because it is, it's the revelation from God for us. Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9, <clears throat> says this, Revelation 7 verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne. Oh, sorry, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe every tear away from their eyes. Would you pray with me? God, we come to your word this morning uh, because it's your word to us. God, we pray that we would humble ourselves before it, God. Um, help me as I preach, Lord, to speak your words, to know your thoughts, and to um, really to just say what you want to have said from this text. God, we pray that um, we would look to this day of victory. God, there is a day of victory, and we thank you for that. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, a second Palm Sunday. Like I said, it's a little bit turbulent. Um, what we want to see today is that the assured victory of God's people gives us comfort in our trials. Right? The assured victory of God's people gives us comfort, really, in our trials, in our tribulations, in our mundane, everyday lives, in everything. Right, That, that, that God's victory, the assured victory that he gives us. Now, we're going to fly into Revelation. It's going to be a little turbulent. I think it's important because we find ourselves living in troubled times. This book was written, this, this revelation originally was given to people in troubled times. Rome was not a Christian empire. It was not popular to be a Christian. It was often meant unemployment, hunger, death, government persecution. It meant a lot of things. And that's who this, that's who would have originally first received this. And throughout the ages, it's been, it's been an encouragement to God's people. So for those of you who are a little bit nerdy like I am, I'm going to put up a timeline just to give us a little thought of where we are. And don't debate me on this, but... Um, 
So, timeline of the end times. We're in the present church age. Some of you think we're coming very close to that green line, but that's for another day. Uh, most people think uh, we're what we would call dispensationalists. It's a big word for what this is, but the rapture of the church and then the years of the tribulation. That's where we're in right now. We're firmly in the years of the tribulation once we're in this part of Revelation. Um, and then you're going to have the return of Christ, the millennial kingdom, the final judgment, and the eternal state, okay? So when we talk about heaven here, both now and in, during the tribulation, we're talking about the throne room of God, okay? We're talking about being in heaven, uh, but without bodies, we're, we're spirits, we're there with God forever, or it's going to be wonderful. But there's going to come an eternal state that's different than that, but that's a little beyond where we'll be today. Uh, chapters 1 through 3 of Revelation, Jesus introduces himself as the victor, the savior, and he writes letters to churches. Chapters 4 to 5, we see that throne room picture, right? John says, I'm taken up, and he sees the throne, and he sees the lamb. And the question is asked, who's worthy to open the scroll of God's judgment? And the answer is the lamb, right? And so we, and in chapter 6, you see him start to open that scroll, and then in seven, where we are here, we have a little bit of an interlude. Um, and so that kind of sets the stage. Basically, we're in the tribulation time when we're in this text, okay? Um, which we believe that probably means the church is already in heaven with God after the rapture. Uh, so look down with me at verse nine. So we're going to see the assured victory of God's people gives us comfort. And the first thing we're going to see is a victory cry, right? A victory cry, a shout, uh, uh, just, a, just an exclamation. So he says this, this is, a new, this is a new vision. He's seen 144,000 from Israel. They're sealed on earth, right, to be God's witnesses, we believe, during the tribulation. Uh, verse 9 says, After this I look and behold. This is the idea of something, uh, a great multitude that no one could number. This is a shocking number, okay? This isn't, we're not talking about the, the crowds at an NFL stadium. We're, not ta- we're talking bigger than you could imagine, John gets a perspective of a great multitude from every tribe, every nation. That's different because, right, we just saw 144,000 from, from Israel sealed on earth. But John is given a picture of something much more, right? So that's the idea of God's protection on earth during the tribulation. What we're looking at now is a picture of God's victory for his people. God's victory for his people. It's a shocking number. It's a diverse number. The gospel has gone everywhere. Think about it. If you're in the first century, you receive this letter, you receive, John's written this down in exile and it starts circulating among the churches and your church is 20 people who are poor, some of them starving. You're meeting in a house. You're hiding from the government. And, Jesus said, and John says, behold, I turned and I saw a great multitude. Right? A great multitude. Victory. Right? You're sitting there in that little church, in that little home church, and you're going, man, is this gospel going to make it? We're going to take it to our friends. And they did. They did take it to their friends. They did preach the gospel. But he says, this, how does this really end? Right? It seems like the Roman Empire is trying to extinguish us. You think the encouragement it would be? How about in your own life when you think the gospel is somehow failing in your life? 
right? Am I going to make it? Do I, right? What, what's going to happen? Will, what will heaven be? You have all these questions. And this is to be encouragement, right? And look down. So verse 9, a number no one could, could, could fathom really, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hand. Right? And if you're John and you're seeing this vision, where would he think about palm branches? Right? He'd go, I've seen God's people with palm branches before. Palm Sunday, they brought him out. They laid him before Jesus. They said, oh, Jesus, be the king over us. And he says, now we have palm branches and white robes. The white robes, just the idea of purity that God has wiped, wiped his people clean. There's no dirt. There's no filth. There's no illness. There's no anything. His people wiped clean. A great victory cry. Verse 10, look down. What's the cry? Verse 10, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God and to the, right, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Can you believe this? When we get to heaven, when this day comes, if we're there, and I think we will be probably, we'll get to that a little bit later, but But the idea is that the one thing they recognize, the thing they say is, salvation belongs to our God. Everybody else thought there was something else. They thought that politics was important or money or whatever. They they thought they were going to make it somehow. And they say, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And let me tell you, this word salvation, it probably is the Greek equivalent, right? This, This text written in Greek, it's probably the Greek equivalent of the word Hosanna. Right? Hosanna is Aramaic. It, it, was a, it was a victory cry. It was a cry welcoming a king. It was, and here, it's probably the same idea in Greek. And so John is seeing palm branches. And he's hearing the people of God shout Hosanna. And he says, wait a second, that first Palm Sunday, that wasn't the real one. I'm seeing it right now. Right? It was the best of foretaste, a little taste of what it would be when the Messiah came. But this is the victory of God's people given to us by God. It's interesting, the Feast of Tabernacles in the Old Testament, it's also called the Feast of Booths. And I go back there because it is why we, probably why we have this palm branch thing. Uh, God called his people to come in the Feast of Tabernacles and they would bring palm branches, tree branches, and they would build little shelters and they would live outside camping basically for a week. And I go, oh man, God mandated camping. I hate camping, but some of you love it. That's okay. I'll say this just for fun. I'll never forget the Hebrew word for tent. Do you know what it is? It's ohel. Yeah, it's true. You can look it up. It's the Hebrew word for tent, and there's a reason for it. But, um, But God called his people to camp and during that, during that, there would be ceremonies where they would, so they would all throughout Jerusalem and within a Sabbath day's walk, they'd be, the whole nation was supposed to gather and make these little shelters and live there. And each day they would come to the temple. And each day there was a reading from Psalm 118 that also starts with the same word, Hosanna, or salvation. Right? And so I want to tell you, this is the cry of God's people. Um, it was in the Old Testament, and they were looking forward to like they were looking forward to it. It was the shout in Jerusalem, and true believers really did accept Jesus as their king. But there's coming a day where all God's people 
will stand in heaven and will shout victory. We'll shout victory. Right? It makes me want to like start singing power in the blood and victory in Jesus and stuff like that. But um, he says this, victory belongs to our God. This is the idea that it's his exclusive. It's exclusive to him. Right? An exclusive product, an exclusive story. Right? Nobody else has it. Uh, God has salvation for his people. Okay? Uh, not only will the victory cry be from us, look down uh, verse 11. Yeah, there's also a victory cry from all the angels. Verse 11 says, and all the angels. This is the first time in the book of Revelation where we have that term, all the angels, right? We see angels throughout the book, but this says all the angels. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. So this is everybody. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Right? This is the idea of not just emphatic. Um, this is like ecstatic joy in heaven. Right? You have all the angels. And it, just, he just keeps doing this thing where it's, it's all of them. And they fell on their faces. Right? He could have just said they worship. But this is, he says they fell on their faces and they cry, Amen. And what they're saying amen to is our shouts of victory. Right? The angels say amen to what they said. Salvation belongs to God. And then the angels throw in their own victory cry, right? Salvation belongs to our God, verse 11. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying amen. That's the amen to our saying blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And another amen. It's the only place where there's two amens, just so you know. This is called a sevenfold blessing. Uh, you see it several times throughout Revelation. The words change a little bit. But blessing is the idea of praise to God. Glory is the idea that God deserves this because of what he's done, because of who he is. Wisdom is the idea that God's, God's plan is beyond anything we could have comprehended. It says wisdom. Thanksgiving. Right? The idea that all thanks is to go to God. No offense, but there's not going to be any thanks for you or me. Not going to be thanks, Brandon. You know, you did good. It's for God. It belongs to Him. Honor. That's the idea of giving him the, the, the title that's his. And power and might. Power is being able to do whatever you want to do. And might is doing it, doing what you want with it, which is saving his people. And he says, all of that be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Okay? So, we hear the victory cry. I want to tell you, the most powerful angels, they weren't questioning or doubting or pondering. They weren't going, hmm, I wonder if this is really worth it, what God did for his people. Hmm, I wonder how this is going to turn out in the end. I mean, we're still in the middle of this tribulation thing. Huh. I wonder if God's really... There was none of that. The people of God, Christ's salvation belongs to our God. And the angels say, amen. It does. It does. Again, picture sitting in a little church 
persecuted, surrounded by the perversion of the world and the hatred of the world. And John says, you've read about the first Palm Sunday. In fact, John wrote about it. In his, in his, they probably heard it from his mouth, these churches. They probably had the, the Apostle John on Palm Sunday preach about Palm Sunday. And now they receive a letter from him that says, whew, let me show you. Let me show you what the, what the real Palm Sunday will look like. Right? And so we hear the victory cry, salvation belongs to our God. I forget what time I'm supposed to be done. We're good. We're good. Um, we hear the victory cry. All right? Uh, so that's the victory cry. Uh, number two, the victory company. Right? Look down at verse, verse uh, 13. Company in the best sense of the word. Not like Apple or something. Like the, 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 who is this crowd? Right? Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? Okay? This is weird, because John's sitting there having a vision, and then, then the elder, probably an angel, comes and says, Hey, who are these people? This is a classic way of teaching, right? And some teachers still do it. They make you feel dumb first. No, I'm just kidding. No. But it was common in, in, in uh, apocalyptic literature, and even the Hebrew way of teaching, to ask a question and for, for, the, for the person to go, I don't know, why don't you tell me? Okay? And that's what happens here. And it's basically to bring to John's knowledge, like, because you're overwhelmed by this whole scene, right? I mean, you're like, you see, I mean, millions, I don't even, innumerable people shouting at you. Salvation belongs to our God. And then you hear all the angels chime in, and it's almost like this guy's like, hey, Hey, are you using your brain here? Are you thinking, who are these people? And John's like, I, I don't know who they are. And he says, sir, you know. And he said to me, this is verse 14. He said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is where you get to the tricky part, and everybody who has ever taught on this passage has a different opinion as to who these people are, okay? Um, it seems to me, because of where it is in the book, and because you just saw the 144,000, that this is likely referring to the saints of the tribulation specifically, right? So you guys know that during the tribulation, people are going to come to Christ, right? And lots of people are going to come to Christ, okay? Because they're going to see the judgment of God, right? It's raptor, they're going to see all this stuff. And they're going to come to Christ. But you know what's going to happen to most of them? They're going to die. They're going to die because they came to Christ. Right? They're going to be starved. They're going to be killed. They're going to be caught up in one of the... Like, the judgment of God is going on as this is happening. Right? The nations have made peace. The Antichrist is ruling. And the whole world thinks it's the greatest pastime in the world to be against God's people. Okay, they've made a whole system of it, and yet God is still having victory, right? So you're the church, you're sitting here in your little tiny church, and you think what you're going through is bad, and yet you've just read chapter 6, they didn't have chapters, but they've just read the previous chapter about the seal judgments where the, you know, the, the rider of death, and the, right, you have all this stuff, and you're like, oh, now I think what I'm going through is bad, that's really bad, And yet, the angel says, you want to know where these people came from? 
that came out of the great, great tribulation. I tend to think that it's probably all of us, all the redeemed people up to this time. Right? Could just be the tribulation saints, but it seems like the church is in heaven already. It's probably all of us, all the angels, all the redeemed. And the real point, even though you can debate over and over again who these people were, the main point is that they had been brought out of great trouble and were victorious. Have you been brought through great trouble? Some of you go, no, I've lived a pretty reasonable, safe, nice life. And I want to tell you, you were in great trouble. Remember what they missed on the first Palm Sunday? What did they miss? What was their true need? They thought they needed a new government. They thought they needed more food. They thought they needed money, economic security. What did they really need? They needed salvation. And so, yeah, there's time. Don't be, you, some of you are in real trials. I know, you, like, we know each other's lives. There's bad things that happen, illness, temptations, sins. We're struggling, we're doubt, all this stuff. And yet God has brought his people through to victory. And so I thought about having the kids march in here with palm branches, you know? That's the typical thing to do on Palm Sunday, right? Bring the kids in. Oh, cute, they got palm branches laying them down. Which is fine, except every point from now, if we do that next year, I want you to think of this passage. Right? I want to think of this passage. I, want, I mean, it's not, I want to believe, I, I know what, what happened there, but I want to know that true victory is coming. That it's assured, that it belongs to God, that in the that, John is seeing a vision of the future where it's done. And if it's done then, it's done now, to be honest. Right? The same God who says it's done, the same God to whom it belongs, it's done. And that's encouraging to me in my trials. You ever feel like you're not going to make it through? There's victory. Press on. Be encouraged. Help each other, walk with each other. Remember this, every time you see a palm branch, go, oh yeah, there's another Palm Sunday coming. Right? There's another Palm Sunday coming. Uh, who are these people? So, let, so, we, so that kind of places them, but look down. The second half is really more important, even though people ignore it sometimes. They are washed, they have washed their robes and are made white in the blood of the Lamb. What is the only thing that defines these people? They came out of great tribulation and they're washed by the blood of Jesus. That's it. They didn't have great executive titles. They weren't a sports champion. They weren't famous. None of that matters. Like, on the second Palm Sunday, the victory cry is we, God brought us out of great tribulation, and we're washed in his blood. We've been made white. We've been made white by the blood of the Christ, by the blood of Jesus that's the defining characteristic of who they are. That's all they need. And if you're that little tiny church, whew, that's great. Because you say, wait, I'm washed by the blood. The same thing that's true of those people is true of me. Because of Jesus, I'm washed clean from my sins. Can I ask you a question real fast? Have you been washed by the blood? Is this church thing, social event for you, something you've done all your life, really you think you'll get into heaven because you're a pretty good person and you've gone to church, 
you haven't done anything bad. You're not like those other murderers and criminals and druggies and whatever the bad people are in your, in your eyes. It's a gross picture, really, to be washed in the blood when you think about it. But it was very common in, in biblical times. Very common. Because what it meant, they knew that the life was in the blood. They didn't know biology, but they knew that the life was in the blood and it was inside them. And so what they're saying is, there is something inside me that needs to be washed. There is something inside me. Not, it's, not, it's not making things better outwards. It's not looking better. It's not having a better reputation. There is something inside me that needs to be cleansed, that needs to be forgiven, that needs to be laid down and, and taken care of by somebody else because I can't do it myself. Because it's inside of me. Who can wash your insides? Who can forgive what you've done? Who can cleanse you? Who can give you rebirth? It's only Jesus. And so I want to encourage you today, if you, have, if you don't have a real relationship with Christ, not like I go to church every once in a while, or I've always been Christian, or my whole family's Christian, of course I'm Christian, or whatever it is, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn my way to heaven, you know, I have a relationship with God, we have kind of a contract where I contribute some and then he lets me into heaven. None, that's not washed in the blood. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? He's the only one to put your trust in, and his death and resurrection did it for you. So that's a little aside, but I want to encourage you, are you washed in the blood? Uh, so these washed people who have been brought through tribulation, victory. Victory, 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 right? <clears throat> last, last point, uh, the victory chorus. Look down, verse 15. This likely became some kind of early hymn, early song. You'll see in your Bible that it changes how it's written because it's poetic almost. It's, it's, it's um, yeah, it's almost musical. Uh, it says, verse 15, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. So first, what's the part of this victory chorus? The first line says that we get to serve God. We get to be before God, right? Some of you, you'd, you'd pass out if you were before your favorite superstar. You'd be like, oh my goodness, right? Whoever it is for you, right? Some NBA star, some athlete, some musician, some, you'd be like, oh man, I can't even handle it. We know. And yet here we get to be before God. Don't think of this worshiping as like lame, right? Our worship here is not lame. Thank you, Zach, for doing wonderful music. But everything here is lame compared to what this is going to be, right? You take the best concert of your life. I don't care if you like classical and there's the music swell or rock, and you're right before the speakers, and you're pat, whatever, I don't, you take the best thing you could imagine, the best experience of being before in somebody's presence, and singing, and worshiping, and praising, the biggest crowd at a sports event, whatever it is, that's all lame compared to this, right? It's not like, oh, this is boring, you know, this is not your mom dragged you to an orchestra concert, you know, or you're singing, or you're listening to opera, would you like, Sorry if you like opera, but um, <laughs> or you're listening to country music, God forbid. Um, <laughs> right? Some of you know me. It's, uh, it's all right. 
therefore they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. To, to be able to serve God passionately, freely, in the best way ever, in the most passionate, exciting way you've ever, you ever have. Right? Look at verse 17. So not, or sorry, verse 16. Sorry, no, verse 15. So we're before God, 15 the end. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. What an amazing, what an amazing. You ever need a shelter? Man, we've had quite the winter. Some of you have horses. God bless them. Right? Just standing out there. <laughs> right? They get in a shelter. That's just a tiny illustration. If you ever need a shelter, your boss is yelling at you, and you say, I just crawl under the desk. Right? My boss all the time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, um, no, but the idea of someone, someone covering you, someone taking care of you, and if I want, to, I want to tell you this also, that same word for shelter, that's the word for what the Israelites built during the Feast of Tabernacles. Right? They were to go out and build these things so that they would remember that God was their shelter. Right? That he had taken care of them in the wilderness. That he had led them into the promised land to, to houses that they did not build, to vineyards that they did not plant, to pastures that they had not taken care of, to, you know, and, they, and God gave it to them. God gave it to them. Through the desert, he gave it to them in the promised land. God was a shelter to them. That is so encouraging to me. So encouraging to me. I think, I, how many times this, this winter have I been thankful just to have a warm house? I go, man, God, what a blessing that you've given me a warm shelter that's just tiny compared to this. That God would shelter me with his presence. When Jesus wept over Jerusalem, do you know what he said? Matthew 23 tells us this. 23:37. He said, "O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it." How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus says, I want to shelter you. He wanted, at the first Palm Sunday, he wanted to grab Jerusalem and put them under him and say, I'll be your God. But they didn't need him. Not for what they thought, at least. So, the victorious chorus, we get to be before God. We get to be sheltered by him. Verse 16, they, will, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The, sh- the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. So uh, on the Mediterranean, there, there's, this, there's this hot, incredibly warm wind that will gust through. Right? We have the Santa Anas here. It's a little bit similar, except warmer. Right? Scorching heat. Right? And here are these people. They don't, have, they, they don't have food. They don't have clothes. They're in this little tiny church, probably. And they get this revelation from John, who had been their pastor. Now he's in exile. And they get this thing, and they see all around them. And they go, you shall hunger no more. You shall thirst no more. 
The sun shall not strike you, nor any scorching heat. This is, in Isaiah 49, the song of the servant, the same language is used. Right? Where God says, my, my suffering servant will provide this to you. And Jesus, of course, used some of these same words, right? You shall not thirst anymore. One of the other amazing things is the Feast of Tabernacles had this water thing, right? They would take, there was a bunch of sacrifices, but they would take, there was this thing where they would take these huge jugs of water and pour it out on the altar. And it was supposed to be a sign that God would refresh his people with joy, right? That he would refresh, that he would send out his spirit, that there would be joy. So we are before God, we get sheltered by God, we never have to suffer, right? The suffering is removed by God. Look at verse 17. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Um, when you want a shepherd, who do you want? Someone strong, someone powerful, somebody who can provide for you. Who does it say is our shepherd down there? The lamb. What a weird picture, right? The lamb will be our shepherd. The meek, humble, gentle lamb will be our shepherd. It's part of his tender care for his people. Um, Some of us, the whole reason why you haven't been washed in the blood is that you don't want to be shepherded. You don't want to give up control of your own life. You say, I'll be in charge. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll get some benefits from God, like I'll feel good on a Sunday morning or you know, pray every once in a while when I'm at great need. But you don't want to have a shepherd, let alone a lamb. If I offered you a shepherd, you'd say, sure. But if I'm going to give control to somebody, I'm going to give it to the strongest, most powerful, the one who's going to give me everything. Now, here's the deal. We do have everything, right? We have victory, we have everything we could ever need. We're going to be with God forever. He's, even if you're in a little church and persecuted, or if you're here in America, wherever it is, the cry of God's people will be victory, victory, victory. But the Lamb will be your shepherd. right? And I encourage you to submit to Him. And it'll be great for you. right? It's not like I'm asking you to do something bad. Well, okay, I'll do it, but that's going to be terrible. That's the world's thinking. Right? The world looks at Jesus and goes, that'd be terrible to follow that guy. As believers, we know otherwise. Okay? So, uh, he'll be our shepherd. We'll guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Shepherded by God. Um, that's the wonderful part. Right? Um, it's all wonderful, but that to me is particularly wonderful. Uh, So, to sum up, right? So we have the victory cry. Salvation belongs to our God. We have the company brought out of the great tribulation, washed by the blood. And we have this chorus of what it will be like during this victory. Right? That we won't suffer. We'll be shepherded by God. We'll be sheltered by His presence. And we'll get to serve Him. Beautiful. Victory. Wonderful. So, can you imagine a real victory parade? Right? A lot of us have seen the, the parades of when the soldiers came back from World War II. Right? You, or you've seen, you've seen V-Day pictures, right? V-E um, pictures. And you go, wow. Right? And you see just this pure joy on people's face. Right? They'd been 
they've been through great tribulation, right? Things we can't, I mean, we sometimes we, we think we have it hard now in America and there's a lot going on, but the blitzery coming over your house every night, that's a little bit different, right? Victory. But think about this, not just victory, like of a war, not just victory of a nation, not just victory over whatever sin you're struggling with or whatever temptation you have, not just victory over an illness that you're fighting, but we are talking final victory over everything, right? Sin, death, trial, trouble, sickness, grief, persecution, injustice, line it up, whatever it is, God's people have victory over it. Right? And that's hard. Maybe you're young here today and you say, man, I got sins in my life. I got struggles. I don't know about how I'm following Jesus. I need to grow. Victory. Maybe you're fighting the last battles and death is before you. Victory. There'll be victory. Everything in between. Right? Maybe you're a parent just trying to make it. Right? Because kids are God's way of teaching you not to be selfish. Right? Victory. Victory. And it's worth it. It's worth it, right? Because we get to tell them about Christ. Right? We get to show them who God is by our sacrifice. But it's small and, it's, and we will have victory. Are you struggling with a specific sin? Are you stuck in grief? You'll have victory. Are you persecuted or rejected for Christ's sake? Or, or is your business not really too keen on you being a believer? Are your friends, supposed friends, think that it's lame to follow Jesus? Are you the only one with integrity in your whole company because you try to follow Christ? <laughs> I put this down. Are you persecuted and rejected for Christ's sake? They could kill you, but you will still have victory. Our motto for today that you can take home, that you could chant in your soul, that I need to chant in my soul, right? You guys know me. I'm an Eeyore type. Like, I get down. Like, I just, just, just you know... Ask the people that have to work with me every day. It's just got to be painful. Um, right? My wife's watching on the live stream saying amen right now. Um, I, I need to chant in my soul, victory is assured for God's people. Right? This is the future. This is sure. This is as sure as we believe the tribulation will happen and everything else in the book of Revelation, this is sure. Right? That God's people will shout victory. The same God that will ultimately do this is working in you today if you're his child. Right? The same God that will ultimately do this is working in you today. Right? And I hope that's encouraging to you. It's encouraging to me, right? Because I'm tempted to think, oh man, the same God is working in you. And then I want to bring up one last thing. Don't forget that question, are you washed in the blood? I really want to leave some of you with that this morning. Um, are you washed in the blood? Uh, there were the whole thing is in this little church, right? That the, would have received the book of Revelation first. It wasn't popular to be there. There were no benefits. Right? We're still in a society where there's a little bit of benefit, right, to being a Christian. It's kind of going away, but we're on the tail end of it where you can feel spiritual and you can, you know, you can come sit in a nice warm church, you know, 
By the way, we're getting one of the heaters fixed, but it's fine, right? Um, trials, big trials, right? Um, I don't want any of you to be here if you wouldn't have been here then, right? If this gets down to just 20 people meeting in a house because the government's against us and the society's against us, are you washed in the blood? Right? Um, I really want you to ask that um, in your own heart. Um, if your parents hadn't have made you be here today, would you be here washed in the blood? If you hadn't have always grown up in church and it's just the thing you do every Sunday, would you be here washed in the blood? Um, that's my encouragement and my, really my challenge for some of you. And for the rest of us, if you are washed in the blood, victory, 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 victory. When you see those palm branches and those cute kids, if we do that again next year, or if they, maybe there's Sunday, it'd be so awesome if some Sunday school teacher just paraded the kids through the hall right now. I didn't have time to set it up. But um, when you see those palm branches, right, think victory of God's people. So let me pray for us. We'll be done for today. God, thank you for victory. Um, Lord, I need to remember it. I need to remember not the first Palm Sunday, Lord. I do want to remember that, what you did for us, that you sacrificed for us. But Lord, I want to look to the second one as well. God, I want to look to the victory that you have, that you've given your people that belongs to you, that you've washed us in the blood, that you will shelter us with your presence, that you will shepherd us. God, and really that you're doing all those things right now and that one day it will be fully and finally complete, and then we're going to have the victory parade. So God, I pray for us as your people that we would remind each other of this, that you, God, would mark it on our hearts, uh, my heart, God, and Lord, that we would have joy because of it. Um, Lord, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you as we come through this week of being reminded of all that he did for us and coming to Good Friday and coming to Easter Sunday. God, I pray we could dwell on this all week. Uh, Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.